that I want to share with you as we get into my message today goes like this. I was born in Kokomo, Indiana, in a hospital that was built and ran by the Ku Klux Klan. Later on, it was turned over to the St. Joseph Catholic sisters, the nuns, to run. And it was run by the St. Joseph sisters when I was born in the 1950s. I was born premature, and I was not expected to live. I was so small, and they did not have any real medical technology to handle something like me. So the doctor, after about four or five days in the hospital, told my parents, listen, if you want to just go ahead and take him home to die and not have him leave him here and have to worry about coming here every day, it's fine. Take him home to die, and I'll stop by when my rounds are done each evening that I can, and I'll give him an antibiotic shot. We don't know what's wrong with him. We don't know what to do with him, but he's so small. There's, there's no way he's viable. So my parents decided that would be much easier than traveling all the way across town to the hospital every single day. So they put me, as my father tells the story, they put me in a shoebox. And they were wheeling my mother out with me in the shoebox and some blankets on her lap. And the nuns barred the door and stood in front of the door and said, no, you cannot take this child home. You cannot take this child out of here. He needs medical attention. And they had to call the doctor, and the doctor finally came and said no and told the sisters to get out of the way. He might as well die at home than die here. He's going to die anyway. So every night that the doctor could, he would stop by my house at the end of his house calls. Remember those days? And, and he would administer a shot of antibiotic to me. But my father had been trained in World War II as a medic. So on the nights that the doctor couldn't stop by, and our house was on his way home, on the nights he couldn't stop by, then he would call my father and say, you go ahead and give him some antibiotics tonight. And so my father would give me the shot. And that went on, and I kept living. But I never grew. I'd gain a little bit, a couple ounces, and then I'd lose a couple ounces. I'd gain a couple ounces, I'd lose a couple ounces. They didn't know what to do with me. But it wasn't until my second birthday. On my second birthday, I had an infection so badly, and the doctor could tell where it was. It was my tonsils were so infected. I still wasn't a whole lot bigger than what I was when I was born. He said, we need to take these tonsils out there inflamed. Two years they had been doing this, every night. He said, we need to take these tonsils out. My dad said, do we need to take them to the hospital? And the doctor said, nah, just bring me a spoon. And he did it right there in the, in the living room. And after that, I started growing. 
After that, I started getting healthier. I was always a sickly child, but I was always stunted in growth. I am trying my best to make up for that in my latter years. I think I have accomplished it. Maybe over-accomplished it. But for the first two years, I didn't grow. I just existed, barely. But then I started growing. Do you know people who have been in the church for years and years and years and years, and they really, as you look at their lives, they have never grown spiritually? They're there, but they're still infants in Jesus. They believe in Jesus, but it really hasn't done much for their life. Well, we're going to talk about it's time to grow up. If a child never grows up, that's a tragedy. All living things are meant to grow. God wants his children to grow. And and here at Good Hope, that, that, that's our goal, is to help you grow. It's the goal of all of our pastors, all of our deacons, all, all of our teachers. It's ministry. It's to help everyone in the church grow. Our, our, our key verse for this is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 and 15, that we should no longer be children, Paul writes, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the, the, the cunning craftiness of deceitful planning, no, plotting, but speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, Christ. Spiritual maturity. What is it? It's becoming like Christ. Jesus is the perfect model of spiritual maturity. And God wants us to learn to act and to think and to feel and to respond to life the way Jesus did. He's the model. You know, I figured out pretty quickly in the ministry that that, that people really could come to church for 20 and 30 and 40 and 50 years and never really grow up. It's a sad situation. If we see a child who doesn't grow, we have pity on them. It's shocking. But yet, why are we not so shocked when we see people in the church who have been here for 20 and 30 and 40 years and they're no more spiritually mature than sometimes people who have been here for a year? That's a real problem. That's a problem we want to talk about today. Spiritual growth. Three things, three keys. Oh, there's a lot more to to it than that, but let me just give you three keys. That's what I've got time for this morning. Spiritual growth, first of all, we need to understand spiritual growth is incarnational. Now, there's a big word for you. Incarnational. It's a big word that means Jesus gets inside of you. The Holy Spirit gets inside of you and starts to change you, transform you. Most of you know my story, and you know, and see, I was born in a Klan hospital. Come on, people, give me a break. (laughs) It it was a renowned, it still is, a renowned Klan town. 
in the north. Oh, that shocks people. That shocks people. But it shouldn't because we are a fallen people. I have been transformed. And I thank God. The only reason that I have been transformed is because I've taken spiritual growth seriously. Because how many people are there in this country who have accepted Jesus as their Savior, but you look at their life and their beliefs and you can tell they have not been transformed? There's something wrong with that. That's what I battle against. Because we need to be transformed. Spiritual growth has to be incarnational. Christian life is a matter somewhat of imitation. We imitate Christ. We imitate our spiritual leaders. But it can't just be imitation. It has to be inhabitation. It has to be inhabitation. The Holy Spirit has to work from within for us to really be transformed. Oh, I can put on a good show. But a good show fools only those around us. It doesn't fool Jesus. It doesn't fool God. And oh, and guess what? It doesn't really even fool ourselves, does it? You see, we, we're not just imitators of Christ. We have to be inhabited by Christ for spiritual growth. You can never wear, I mean, you can wear a band that says, what would Jesus do? And that's good. I mean, that's smart, you know, asking that question. The problem, though, is you aren't Jesus. Your mind is not exactly like Jesus. You don't know exactly what Jesus would do, you know, in and of yourself. You, you, have, you don't have that ability unless the Holy Spirit is living within you and he is able to inform your mind of what would Jesus do. Because there's a lot of people in this nation right now who's saying, I believe in Jesus and this is what Jesus would do and I've got news for them. No, it's not. It's not what Jesus would do. So it has to be incarnational, spiritual growth. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, the Apostle Paul says, You are God's temple and God's spirit lives in you. If you are a believer in Jesus, if you've asked Christ into your life, who has really come in is not really Jesus, it's his Holy Spirit who has come. But I want you to think about that just for a moment. Think about the fact that you have God's Holy Spirit, the creator of the universe, living within you. If that does not blow your mind, I don't know what will. We have almighty God living within us. And then we give excuses. Well, I can't read my Bible. I just don't have time. Well, the temptation is just so real. I don't know. I don't have the strength. I just have to give in. You don't have to do any of that. You have God living within you. Do you realize that? You have the power that created the universe with inside you, and he is called the Holy Spirit. 
And he wants nothing more than to talk with you, to guide you, to fellowship with you, to commune with you, to speak to you. We have God inside of us if we have Jesus. So there is, there is no excuse for lacking spiritual growth. It's, there's no excuse you can possibly come up with. You've got God inside of you. Yeah. Ephesians 4, 23 and 24. It's a life renewed from the inside and working itself out into your conduct as God accurately produces his character in you. That's the message version. It's a life renewed from the inside. Oh, I know people who have left hate groups and said they were transformed. They said they were transformed. But as you watch their life over time, you realize that they had not been transformed because transformation starts on the inside and works itself out into conduct. And if you have not been transformed on the inside, guess what? Your conduct probably isn't going to last long term. Inside. It's incarnational. It's God's Holy Spirit in you. We also need to understand that, that... right up front, that spiritual growth, you have a part and God has a part. It's not just God, but it's not just you either. It's a partnership. You see, there's a mystical part and a practical part. The mystical part is that God's Holy Spirit lives in you and is transforming you from the inside. The practical part is you've got to pay attention to how God is transforming you and then start conducting your your life accordingly. That's up to you. But it's got to be mystical and practical. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. Paul writes there in Philippians 2, 12 and 13, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Continue to work out. That's your part. That's putting it into your life, your conduct, your words, what you think about, your attitude. Work it out as God works in you. That's the mystical and the practical coming together. That's God. Living life on purpose, the life that God intended you to live, it's a matter of these two things. Now, notice it doesn't say you work for your salvation. You can't do that. Because we're, we're not perfect. Our work is not going to be perfect. We don't work for our salvation. That's why Jesus died on the cross. He is the perfect one who provided us that salvation. But then once we have that salvation, once we come to Christ, once we accept Christ as our Savior, then we have to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us 
as we work out our salvation, as we begin to make the changes that need to be made, there were a lot of changes that need to be made needed to be made in my life. A lot of changes. And the moment that I accepted Jesus Christ, my whole life did not change immediately. My attitudes did not change a whole 180 degree turnaround. It did not happen. It does not happen with most people. It surely didn't happen with me. I had a major change immediately, but it wasn't the full change. It wasn't the complete change. It took time. It takes time for every one of us to work out our salvation as God works in us. Spiritual growth is first and foremost incarnational. It is God's Holy Spirit living within you. Secondly, spiritual growth is intentional. It's intentional. It doesn't happen by accident. We have so many Christians who believe I'm saved, I've accepted Christ as my Savior, I'm on my way to heaven, now all I have to do is come to church and sit and soak. I just sit and soak it all in and I am going to grow spiritually. That is nonsense. That's like thinking that you can get a college degree by going and sitting in class, never doing any work, never turning any work in, never taking any tests, but just go and say, oh, wait, you can do that sometimes. That's not, okay, man. No, you can't. Not at, not at my university, you can't. You've got to put forth the effort. It's got to be intentional. It means it's a choice. A lot of people tend to think that spiritual growth is just, it, it's just automatic. I'm going to automatically grow. If, if, if someone, and we tend to honor people. I, I know at least in the churches that I have pastored, the churches have honored people for their longevity of taking up a space in the pew. And, they, and sometimes they were some of the meanest, nastiest, rudest, people that I'd ever met in my life. And if you think about where I've been, I've met some pretty mean, nasty people. I met some of them in the church pew, and the church honored them because they'd been sitting there for 50 years. And I'm like, why would we honor them? They've just been taking up space. And they haven't changed. They haven't grown. They have not really made it intentional. They think that they can just come and sit. I had this one lady. She had been in the church literally for 50 years. And she came to the altar while I was preaching, and she got saved. She'd been in the church for 50, that same church, 50 years. She was 70-some years old. And she got saved. And of course, we all thought she was saved. We, now, we know she never acted like it, but we thought she was because she's just there every Sunday. And I, I, I'm, 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 you know, I'm this young pastor at that time. It was my first church. You know, I'm this young pastor, and, I, and what can I pray with you about? Well, don't you think it's about time I got saved? Oh, yes, certainly. 
Okay. Uh, yeah. And so then I visited her the ne- very next week in her home. And I said, well, t- you know, t- tell, me, tell me your story. She goes, well, I'm glad I'm a Christian now. I said, well, that's great. That's wonderful. Uh, and she said, yeah. She said, now I can give it to everybody else the way the Christians in that church have given it to me these last 50 years. I, said, I, I, I hope that she lived long enough to have some spiritual growth. But spiritual growth has to be, it has to be intentional. It has to be intentional. So, so it, it, it's a choice. Can you grow old without ever growing up? Oh, yeah, we all know people like that. They, they, they didn't, they, there's people who don't grow up emotionally. There's people who never grow up relationally. Okay? There's people that never grow up financially. And there's people that never grow up spiritually. They're in the church, but they don't, they've accepted Christ, but they don't grow. Here's the truth. This is a hard truth. And some people may not like this truth, but it is the truth. You are as close to God right now as you want to be. Let me say that again. You are as close to God as you want to be. Now, I'm, you know, I'm a holiness preacher. I come from the holiness churches. You are as holy today as you want to be. That's the way we would say it there. You, and it's the truth. Oh, no, no, I want to be more. No, you are as close to God as you want to be right now. People come to me and they say, Oh, I wish, uh, uh, Dr. Harris, I wish I knew the Bible the way you do. I wish I could teach the Bible the way you do. I really will. I would give anything to know the Bible the way you do. No, you wouldn't. Spend, spend 40 years studying it. Get a bachelor's degree, get a master's degree in Bible. Learn Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, the original languages, so you can study better. You'd give anything to know the Bible the way I do? There's a lot of people who know the Bible a whole lot better than me. They've given more than what I've given. I've only given this much to it. They've given this much to it. No, you know the Bible as well as you want to know it. You are as close to God as you want to be. Oh, well, there's a time when God was and I were closer to each other. Well, who moved? It wasn't him. It's a hard truth, but it's, it's the truth. You're as close to God as you want to be. So if you feel far from God, then you need to move in God's direction. You have to choose to grow. You make commitments. And as you make those commitments, you start to grow. And you're able to make more commitments. And you're able to grow deeper and deeper and deeper but it's intentional it has to be intentional you cannot simply say oh well i would like to grow no spiritual growth is incarnational it's also intentional ephesians 4:13 until paul talks about until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the son of god and become mature attaining to the full 
measure, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Did you know studies show that the United States Air Force did a study that we forget 90 to 95% of everything we hear within 72 hours. Within three days after hearing this message, you will forget 95% of what I said to you. Unless you write it down, take notes, and actually go back and look at those notes and review it again. That's the only way that you can change those numbers. Now, there is one thing you'll remember about my message today that you don't have to take notes on. And I guarantee you, you'll remember it. You'll remember it next week. You'll remember the following week. You'll remember the following week. Any idea what? You'll remember that first story I told you about me being born in the Ku Klux Klan hospital and, 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 and as a preemie and going home to die. You'll remember that story. We love stories. We remember stories. They help us. That's why I tell so many of them. Because I know at least you'll go out of here remembering something. But if you want to remember the other part, the, par the points, you need to write them down and you need to review them. I love it when I, I, I used to go into my people's homes and I would see notes from my messages up on their refrigerator. When you make the refrigerator magnet space, you know you've done something. And I would go in and I'd look in the kitchen and I, several times I would see notes from my message. One of my messages really touched them and they had taken notes and they put it on the refrigerator. There is no higher higher praise for a pastor for him to actually know that he has made it to your refrigerator. That's it. Top of the heap right there. Because we know we've, we've touched you when we make it there. And they put it there so they could look at it over and over. And every time they went to the fridge, they'd be reminded of that because it was something they wanted to. I'll tell you what, those are the people that grow spiritually. You know what I mean? Because they're intentional about it. Spiritual growth, it needs to be, it, it's incarnational. It needs to be intentional. Here's the last one as we finish up. Spiritual growth is interpersonal. Interpersonal. It's, it, it's, it's built in relationships. Well, I have a relationship with Jesus. That's all I need. No, it's not. I hear it all the time. I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. Uh, there's a problem with that. The third thing that helps us grow spiritually is that spiritual growth is interpersonal. It's communal. It's relational. One of the myths in America especially, because of our individualism, rugged individualism, that's what this nation was built on. We don't need anybody else. Yeah, we do. One of the myths is that you can grow spiritually mature all by yourself. But I've got Jesus living within me. That's all I need. I'll take my Bible and I'll go out into nature. You know, Christianity is the only religion that I know that is based on relationship not only with the Almighty, but with each other. It's imperative that we have one another. 58 times in the New Testament, it says, 
love one another, care for one another, serve one another, help one another, encourage one another, pray for one another, greet one another, and on and on and on, one another. You can't do that out in a desert. You cannot do that in a monastery. You see, all other religions, where the holy, where the holiest person is that person that secludes himself away from everyone else. Get away from all those sinful, tainted people and just commune with the Almighty. And they look and they say, that's the holy person. That's the guru. That's the one we go to. Christianity says, no. You see, spiritual growth is, is developed within our community. It's one thing to say you love God. It's another thing to actually say you love each other and to show it and to demonstrate it and to put it in your life. It's not just loving God. It's loving God's people too. Spiritual growth is interpersonal. You see, real maturity is not about what you know in your head, and that's important, but it's also what you love in your heart. And God said, love his people. The Bible calls the church the body of Christ. The Bible says we're all different parts. Some of us are hands, some of us are eyes, some of us are are, are feet. Some of us are noses. Some of us are mouths. We're all different parts. But if I cut a hand off and send it off to a monastery, do you think my hand's still going to keep alive and growing? No, because it's been severed from the body. We have to be connected to each other. You cannot grow spiritually the way God wants you to grow without having church fellowship. You see, we have to practice our spiritual growth amongst the body. I could probably be real spiritual if I lived off in the desert somewhere and it was just me. Because I would never have to worry about what I said. I'd never have to worry about what I did. I'd never have to worry about my attitude. Because there'd be nobody around to, for it to affect. That's why spiritual growth, it's incarnational, it's intentional, but it's also interpersonal. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16 will close with this. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. Well, who are you going to speak it to if you're not speaking it to other people? Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Do you realize that in this local church, there was actually a place for the former dragon of the Ku Klux Klan? I mean, nobody would have thought of that. Nobody would have thought of that. There's something that I'm bringing to this body that you evidently needed or God would not have brought us together. I guarantee you there is a lot that Trisha and I need that you are bringing to us. 